Good morning. This meeting will come to order. Welcome to the January 19, 2023 regular meeting of the Government Audit and Oversight Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I'm Supervisor Dean Preston, Chair of the Committee, joined by Vice Chair Connie Chan and Supervisor Raphael Mandelman. Uh, the committee clerk today is Stephanie Cabrera, and I uh, want to thank our team at uh, SFGov TV for staffing this meeting. Madam Clerk, any announcements? Yes, thank you. The Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment, while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will take public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channel 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org, the public call-in number is streaming across the screen. The number is 415-655-0001. Again, 415-655-0001. Then enter meeting ID 2491-3720218, then press pound twice. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, the public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on a telephone should dial star three to also be added to the speaker queue. If you are on your telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and all listening devices you may be using. As already stated, we will take public comment from those attending in person first, and then we will go to our public comment telephone line. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the two ways. Email them to me, the government audit and oversight clerk at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E dot Cabrera, C as in California, A, B as in Bay, R-E-R-A, at sfgov.org. If you wish to submit public comment via email, it will also be forwarded to the supervisors and included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall at 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102, Finally, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of January 31st, unless otherwise stated. Thank you, Chair Preston. That concludes my announcements. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And please call item one. Item number one is a resolution urging the City Administrator's Office to conduct a local business enterprises, LBE, disparity study to analyze disparities in the city and county of San Francisco's contracting to women-owned, minority-owned, and disabled veteran-owned businesses. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID 2491 372-0218, then press pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star three to line up to speak. The system prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments when we go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And this item is sponsored by Supervisor Mirna Melgar, who is here uh, joining us today. I wanna thank you for your leadership on this. And uh, Supervisor Melgar, the floor is yours. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Chair Preston, and thank you, uh, uh, Supervisors Mandelman and Chan, for uh, hearing this item as well. Um, so this is a resolution uh, requesting that the city administrator conduct a disparity study for our LBE program. And what that is is um, a report, a, a measure, of uh, how our LBE program is doing in uh, providing opportunities for certain types of businesses um, 
you know, as, as compared to their representation in the general contractor population. So for example, if 50% uh, of contractors uh, in San Francisco are women-owned, but only 20% are participating in the LBE program, we know that we have, you know, an area of growth in the program. So backing up as to why this is needed at this time, you know, we have going, been going through tremendous efforts to um, recover from the pandemic. And we know that during the pandemic, our small businesses suffered particularly. Um, and there are some businesses within the general small business population that suffered even more. We know that women-owned businesses, uh, you know, had lower rates of access to PPE loans, to lending, all kinds of things. So we have not, we have never conducted a disparity study since the program started. You may remember that we used to have a program to advantage women-owned businesses and um, you know, minority-owned businesses, and then Proposition 209 did away with all of that. So we quickly pivoted to what is a local business enterprise program. This is an LBE, but we have never measured it. We have never seen whether, um, you know, the program is working as we had intended or if it even reflects the general population of small businesses in the city demographically. Um, I am interested in women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, and disabled veteran-owned businesses in particular, because we know that those are the business categories that tend to have less access to capital, less um, facility with dealing with a bureaucracy, um, and uh, you know, it is it is something that I think that we can work on within the confines of Proposition 209 in terms of data gathering and marketing, outreach, technical assistance, all of the things that are perfectly legal to do under the law. So uh, I want to thank uh, Rachel and Sophie for being here and for being so open and uh, of course to City Administrator Chu. Um, there have been some changes uh, to the staffing of the program this year. Um, you know, this is not the time to talk about that. This is about the, you know, disparity study. Um, I uh, have been working with the uh, Veterans Affairs Commission. Uh, I see Commissioner Chan and Commissioner Ellington here today. Um, to you know, advance the um, interests of uh, veteran-owned businesses, uh, but also with um, you know the LBE uh, working group. Uh, you may remember that last year we did a wholesale. Um, bunch of changes and updates to our 12B program that you know were long overdue. And so I think this uh, report will generate some of the data that we need as we go forward to make this program better uh, and to provide contracting opportunities for our small businesses so that we can have a city where all boats are lifted uh, in this uh, pandemic recovery. So uh, with that, thank you so much, uh, Chair Preston. And uh, we have, uh, you know, our Deputy City City Administrator here to make a presentation. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, good morning, Chair Preston and Supervisors. Thank you so much, Supervisor Melgar, for introducing this very important resolution. We are very much in support of conducting a disparity study for the LB program. Um, I think this is an opportune time, and I agree very much that it's very important to see the data. Um, because we were so excited about this resolution, uh, we immediately turned around and started conducting research internally on what a disparity study is and what it would look like. My colleague, Anton, is the one who conducted all of that research, so I want to invite her up to do the presentation and show you what we've found so far. And then, of course, I am here to answer any questions you may have. 
So thank you so much. Good morning, Chair Preston and Supervisors. Um, sorry, let me just adjust my height. I'm a little on the shorter end. Um, um, Angela Yip is actually going to pull is our slide master today, so she's going to pull up some slides for us. Thank you, Angela. Um, so good morning, everyone. My name is Ann Tan, and I'm a project manager with the Contracts Reform Team, which is part of the Government Operations Recovery Initiative. Um, and it's actually my first time presenting before a legislative body as a city staffer. Um, thank you, um, <laughs> as a city staffer. And I'm actually really happy that it's on this topic that I care deeply about, and I'm sure a lot of members of our LBE community also care a lot about. So shout out to anyone who's in the audience or watching online. Um, so um, with that, let's go ahead and jump right into the presentation itself. Angela, if you could go to the next slide, please. So as Supervisor Melger and Rachel was saying, um, as soon as we heard that this resolution was introduced, our office and our team was super excited. So we thought, let's go ahead and get doing some background research so that if it comes or when it comes up before the Board of Supervisors, you can make an informed decision. And then if the project is or the study is going to move forward, we can hit the ground running with it. Um, so we jumped in to do some research. Um, but before I go into what the next steps were to look like if we move forward with the disparity study, let me take one step back and just make sure that we are all on the same conceptual and foundational understanding of what a disparity study is. So if you can go to the next slide, please. Um, Supervisor Melger already said a little bit about this already, but let me go ahead and share a little bit more about the technical underlying aspects of a disparity study and what it's supposed to look like. So I think the easiest way to think about it is a disparity study is an analysis of the difference between business utilization versus business availability. And when you look at the difference between what is available and what is actually utilized, and if you find that there is a statistically significant difference there, um, a statistically significant difference between what is uh, utilized given available and what is actually awarded in terms of contracts given what is available, and there's a difference there, that's when you have a disparity. So that's what a disparity study is. And um, just from that kind of simplified definition alone, you can probably tell that there's a lot of technical and statistical analysis that comes with it. So very often, there are um, a a specialized set of, not set of um, consultants, but a group of consultants or firms who specialize in doing disparity studies, and they have a methodology that's tried and tested and can withstand legal scrutiny. Um, so it's a very complicated thing to do. And this graphic that you see here on the screen is kind of a simplified form of what a disparity study would look like because it often inv involves multiple components and phases. So very often it involves a legal review where you look at what is the existing legal framework, what are the current practices and policies in place as they pertain to how contracts are awarded and to whom. And then there's the actual utilization analysis which looks at um, what were the contracts awarded, to whom, how were they distributed, et cetera. And usually this is within a given time frame and within a geographic marketplace. And then there's the availability analysis, which often happens concurrently or simultaneously. And that looks at who were the businesses that were ready, willing, and able to do this work. And between doing the utilization analysis and the availability analysis, you can then do the actual disparity analysis, which looks at is there a discrepancy between what should have been or would have been expected to be awarded versus what was actually awarded. And again, that's where the disparity and the statistical significance lies. 
Um, often concurrent or a part of a disparity study is also um, qualitative research to better understand the perspective of the supplier, contractor, or potential contractor community itself. So that would include people who have never bid on a contract or maybe have bid on a contract but did not win, um, and understanding their perspectives, understanding what do they feel about the process, um, what do they think can change, whether uh, was it by choice that they didn't want to be part of this process, or were there other structural factors that got in their way in participating in public procurement. So that's kind of what that part of it is. And in between the statistical analysis and the qualitative research, oftentimes a consultant who does the disparity study will bring everything together into a set of recommendations to help a jurisdiction understand, okay, if we have identified a disparity, what are we supposed to do next? How do we address that? So that, in a nutshell, is what a disparity study is. Now, in terms of the recommendations that come out of a disparity study, if you can turn to the next slide, please. Um, they often range in their specificity, so some disparity studies will say implement X program, um, while others will tell you implement X program with this level of a targeting goal or a, this percentage of a, a bonus, et cetera. So they really can vary in the specificity of their recommendations. But in general, you'll see that the recommendations um, typically include what's on this slide here. They, I won't go through everything, but they include things like changing contracting thresholds, unbundling contracts um, that are large so that they can be worked down into smaller scopes of work so that smaller businesses have more of an opportunity to engage in those contracts. There could be networking, mentoring programs, et cetera. And I will just mention, our city actually does a lot of these already, um, but through this disparity study and particularly the qualitative research part of it, we can start to kind of get, the, get to the beginning of a program evaluation and understand which of our programs are really working well for our LBE community and which of them may need some improvement and understand that. Um, so I just wanted to mention that as well. And if you go to the next slide, please. Um, which jurisdictions have done disparity studies in the past? Well, actually, a lot of jurisdictions have done disparities in the past, and the jurisdictions can range from at the state level, the city level, or they can even be individual departments within a city or within a jurisdiction. And oftentimes, um, when you see departments doing their own um, disparity studies, sometimes it's because it's a condition of funding from a federal grant or something like that. Um, so they will have those. So there's an incomplete list of um, jurisdictions that have done disparity at some point in time, which you can review at your leisure. And then um, at the next slide, so say we are moving forward with a disparity study, what would it actually take to do it and what is the cost? Well, in general, a disparity study typically takes one to three years to complete because of all the data analysis that's involved, the qualitative research, et cetera. Um, and the cost of a disparity study is really going to range anywhere from 400,000 to about a million, depending on what the scope of the study is. So how many jurisdictions, I mean, how many departments are you working with? What's the level of data cleaning that needs to happen? All those things will factor into the cost and scope of it. Um, but I also just want to mention Yes, it takes one to three years to complete a study, but I just want any LBEs to, if they're listening to this presentation, to know that uh, we are not going to wait on completing a study before we act on moving forward with things that can improve the conditions for our LBEs communities. Um, where when we learn of challenges, we will address them as they come. But at the same time, doing a disparity study is going to be super helpful for us for understanding historical disparities and creating a strong blueprint going forward. So I just wanted to note that as well. So next slide, please. 
So if we were to move forward with a disparity study, what would it look like for our city to actually execute on one? So we have at the city administrator's office outlined seven steps here that it would take to conduct a disparity study. I'm not gonna go through all of them in depth, but basically it would include further working with our policy bodies to define the scope of the study. Um, then we'd actually have to conduct a solicitation process to find a consultant that we could work with to do the study. Um, our office could manage the firm. There would be some level of data sharing, data cleaning, and validation that would happen. And most, probably most importantly, or one of the most important elements is that there needs to be a lot of outreach to the LBE community to understand their voices, to hear what they have to say and their experiences. And so that can be factored into um, the recommendations going forward as well. So that is the bulk of the presentation. And the final slide is just key takeaways the kind of Cliff Notes version of this, if you have trouble remembering details, please do remember that a disparity study, in essence, is a study of business utilization versus availability. There are vendors that specialize in it. Um, it usually includes a legal analysis, a lot of statistical and data analysis, and qualitative research. It will take anywhere between one to three years in general, cost you 400,000 to a million in general, and that many jurisdictions have done one in the past. So. Um, that is it for the presentation side of it, and we are happy to take any questions. Thank you very much, and um, congratulations on your first presentation you. to a legislative body. You just, uh, for all those watching, you just gave a master class on how to both prepare for one and give one, I will say, having heard many. So uh, congratulations, uh, Supervisor Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Chair Preston. Yeah, and you did awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, My so, mom will be proud. <laughs> uh, before we go to public comment, Chair, um, I just uh, wanted to uh, make a pitch to my colleagues. I know this is going to be a tough budget year. Um, I will fight for uh, these funds, you know, in our budget. I think that there is a multiplier effect uh, in low-income communities in particular when small businesses are given opportunities to thrive in our city, especially as we, you know, put so much effort into our recovery. I um, will just tell you, you know, a little bit of a personal uh, thing. You know, I, um, my grandmother was a small businesswoman uh, in El Salvador. She uh, completed second grade um, and went to work uh, when she was 10 years old and became a small businesswoman uh, in a very, very good one. Despite, you know, second grade education, she could do math very well. Um, and she put every single one of her six kids through university, including my mother, uh, and was able to own a home uh, in El Salvador uh, as a single mother with six kids. Um, the power of small business to be able to provide opportunities for people who would not otherwise get a job or be employed or have that entry for people who are formerly incarcerated, for immigrants, for women, uh, for uh, veterans, for people who uh, don't have a clear path in uh, employment is really, really powerful. So I uh, beg you to <laughs> approve this, send it forward with a positive recommendation, and I promise you that I will fight for these funds to make sure um, that we do this the right way uh, and we pave the way for uh, economic opportunities for all in our city. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Melgar. Supervisor Mandelman. I want to thank um, Supervisor Melgar and her co-sponsor, uh, Supervisor Dorsey, for their work on this, and uh, of course, um, the city administrator's office, and I think this makes sense, and I would like to be added as a co-sponsor. 
Thank you, Supervisor Melgar, Vice Chair Chan. Thank you, Chair Preston. <laughs> Sorry, I need more no coffee. Um, I, I, I really appreciate the presentation today, but what actually uh, kind of alerted me was that, you know, the mention about a study that takes up to three years time, and this is the cost of the study, but meanwhile, you're not gonna wait. Uh, to actually make some uh, changes to the to the program. So, what as currently you know from your standpoint or from the office's standpoint that there is existing a disparity that you could correct at this moment? I'm gonna let Rachel take that question. Thank you for your question, Supervisor Chan. Um, you might have heard earlier that um, Anton mentioned that we have a new government operations team that your office, um, the Board of Supervisors, actually helped fund last year, so we're very thankful for that. And what we're looking at is how we can do contracting um, better in the city, and specifically how we can do better in equity in contracting in the city. And so we've had a lot of conversations with the contract monitoring division and departments to see how we can do better. And so what we're really referring to are things that we know that are low-hanging fruit that we can start working on right now. So for example, I think it is difficult right now for small businesses to understand what opportunities are out there for them. We have the information, it's just not easy to find, right? And so quickly we can turn around and figure out how to centralize that information and outreach to our small businesses so they have the better opportunity, so they have a better understanding and there's transparency of what's out there. So that's just one small example of many things that we're hearing and things that we can work on now. Does that answer your question? It does, and I think that's really, really comes down to, uh, I, I am in support of, of this uh, urging you to consider a study because I do think that it's better to actually have uh, all these analysis mm -hmm. actually within the premise of present today so that we are actually are data driven, uh, mm -hmm. we're transparent uh, with the changes that we make uh, in the events that we find disparity in the gap, mm -hmm. that we, we actually could show that based on this study, this is the reason why we're changing what we're changing. So I think that is critical, yeah. and I, I support Supervisor Malgar's leadership on this. And not only that, I really appreciate the leadership. I think the story that she's telling is to actually put a, you know, humanity into what we're trying to urge you to do, um, and, and really in this uh, space. Um, but at the same time, I, I would think, based on your subject expertise, not only that, and based on City Administrator Chu's subject expertise uh, in this area around contract, I, I also urge the City Administrator at this time to work with Supervisor Malgar and her team to also identify along the way what are the disparities gap. Mm -hmm. I believe that Supervisor Malgar also at the early days when we first took office, we actually had that legislation at Rules Committee uh, which she duplicated the file, uh, specifically around just thinking about LBEs and, and what can we do. And it's like with a lot of work and that mm -hmm. she's been putting into it. And I know that two years went by and I think here we are. So I, I know that she's been doing the work as well. So I would urge that, you know, the administrator choose and her team to really work with Supervisor Malgard's office to really thinking about um, if there are tweaks that we can do right now, mm -hmm. what could that look like and what would they be along the ways and, and that you know parallel path with the study. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Chan. Um, I did have just a, a quick uh, 
question or two before we go to public comment. I, I'm just curious from um, Ms. Tan, in, in your presentation, you, you listed a, a number of other jurisdictions, and I appreciate the research that you all obviously did into other, other, other jurisdictions. I, I'm curious if from your studies at this point, you're able to tell if there were any um, just themes that emerged from the findings that other jurisdictions uh, made as well as their recommendations. Understanding that each jurisdiction is different, but I'm just wondering if you saw any, any yeah, th things in multiple jurisdictions that maybe are things we, we should be anticipating may come out of, out of this study. Um, there's a couple of things to kind of unpack there. So one to your former comment, yes, it's very jurisdiction-based because each jurisdiction has a different history with discrimination. And so the specific groups that experience disparity and the extent of this disparity will differ between, between jurisdictions. But I think if you go back to a slide, um, I think it is the slide with the typical recommendations, which is number four, um, there's any number of recommendations that can come out of the disparity study, and I tried to choose the ones that I think are more common among the disparities that I've seen. So things like um, unbundling contracts is a really big deal for small businesses because oftentimes the scope of contracts is just written way too large for a small business to be able to effectively um, compete and engage in it. So that's one thing that often comes out. Um, there are other things around networking, mentorship, and really around not just thinking about procurement as the issue, but recognizing that procurement is a manifestation of upstream issues and discriminatory factors and barriers, and thinking about what is adjacent to procurement. What is that, to Supervisor Margulis part, what is that issue with access to capital? Who opens businesses in the first place? Whose businesses are more likely to go under because they can't get access to capital and opportunities, and things like that too. So really, um, a disparity study looks at this point in the business spectrum, but there are so many other things that you could address, and some of other, other disparity studies I've seen have also attempted to start answering those marketplace conditions as well. Great, thank you very much. And, and the uh, other question I had was just on the time frame. So trying to understand, you know, there's like a one to three year, uh, I think, estimate. I, I'm curious, like, what, you know, why it takes up to three years, and if there are any things that the board uh, can, can do to, to help that be on a shorter timeline, or is that just the amount of time it takes uh, to do the work? I think part of it is really just a function of how long it takes, because oftentimes you have to pull the data out of different systems, and within a city like ours, different departments may have different systems as well, so there's some level of data harmonization that has to happen, but also the qualitative research piece is probably going to take a while, and you want it to take a while, because you want to give sufficient time for LBEs and their communities um, and people within the community to share their thoughts, and if you're just going to have one or two public meetings, that's probably not enough, right? And so you want to have a good time frame for that to engage and make sure it meets people where they are. So some thoughts there. Can I add one quick thing? Yeah. Go ahead. Thanks. I, um, one thing that we can do actually to help speed up, not necessarily the research piece, but um, we can hit the ground running right now, even before funding um, takes place in developing the solicitation for the study. So we plan to take that step now um, so that when it, we are able to fund it, we can issue the solicitation and get going. Great, thank you. Um, and uh, I uh, would also like to be added as a co-sponsor to this, and thank you again, Supervisor Melgar, for your, your leadership. And unless there are other uh, questions or comments, why don't we go ahead and open up uh, public comment on this item. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and I'll note the co-sponsorship. 
Are there any members of the public who would like to make public comment for item number one? Please line up along the curtain wall to your right. Remote public call-in members, please press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold, please continue to wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted. You may begin. Good morning, uh, supervisors. Uh, my name is Hanley Chan, born and raised in San Francisco, a uh, disabled veteran. Um, I highly support this study. Uh, this, this will give small business, especially minorities and disabled veterans, a leg up in getting preference for those contracts. The state of California established a disabled veteran business enterprise, DVBE, program in 1989 under the public contract code uh, 10.115 to primarily help disabled veterans, a DVBE, uh, compete more effectively for a portion of the do these dollars and uh, promote self-reliance for California disabled veterans by offering veterans the opportunity to gain experience in business while sharing their expertise with their citizens of California and provide a goal of awarding 3% of all state contracts to disabled veterans. Uh, if the state has this pro program, why can't we? I heard this study is first of its kind. Let's make history. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, supervisors. My name is Courtney Ellington, Veteran Affairs Commissioner. I am a woman-owned, a minority-owned, and a service-disabled veteran-owned business. And I've been registered in the state of California as a small business for at least five years. I'm a little confused. I support this research, but I'm also a little confused because I don't see us addressing what the real problem is. The problem is we are not fulfilling these contracting needs. And I've had companies who sent me uh, paperwork to, to be a subcontractor. I filled it out. They got the contracts. I was never uh, contacted. So if you do your data research and you ask the company, how many small businesses have you did? They just give you a number. How are we going to measure if these small businesses and service-disabled businesses are really getting the contract? And the, the study is one to three years, but are we going to be having some kind of results? We need to be looking at the numbers. How much money are these small businesses making? And it gets to a point to where small businesses don't want to apply for the city because they're so discouraged and they can't get it. And also there's people who always get contracts and I apply for a contract here. That company was a large company and did not need, that, need the money. And I'm a small business that had the results and wasn't able to get it. So if you're gonna do research, do research that's gonna get us results and know that these small businesses are actually making money. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any additional members of the public in the chamber that would like to make comment? Seeing no more in-person comment, we'll go to the phone line. There are currently seven callers with six in the queue. Please forward the first caller. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Omar Farmer. I'm a veteran, black male, San Francisco native, and entrepreneur for the past 10 plus years. And I just want to say that I fully support initiating this uh, LBE disparity study. This is absolutely an area of growth, as the supervisor said. Um, and uh, it'll bring more aspiring small business owners into the fold, which is good for the business community overall. Um, as someone who's tried to do business in San Francisco and other cities, I can relate. 
um, to wishing that legislative bodies will conduct more qualitative research, as the presenter said, so that they can clearly have the issue illustrated to them, which will help put into perspective how and where growth is needed so you can figure out how to move forward. Uh, that would lead to more equitable outcomes for the groups mentioned. That's all. Thanks. Thank you for your comments. Mr. Lamb, may we please have the next caller? Good morning, Supervisors. This is Ann Cervantes, and I'm representing the San Francisco Latino and Black Builders Association, and my involvement with small business policy through the years is over 35 years from a firm of action to current. What I want to recommend is that you do not have to do a full-blown disparity study. The, the data that the SFTA uh, did for their disparity study could be utilized. And what you, we need to focus on is utilization and availability determined in order to determine the, the gaps and the solutions to those gaps in utilization. As you know, and we're keeping stats separately, that from 2004 to currently, there's been a 78% drop in African-American-owned businesses in the city. And along with that, there's been a 75% drop in Latino-owned businesses in the city. What we need to understand is why there are not more BIPOC businesses in the city. And from what I hear on the ground right now, it's really essential that we get this data and that you encourage the departments to go back to tracking their data as they did prior to 209. Because right now, it's difficult for the CMD department to get any data from these departments, and they're hiding stuff. So I just wanted to add those comments and to back on. It's really crucial that this gets done very quickly, and you're not going to have to spend over $400,000 in order to do this disparity study, and I believe it can be done in a year. And that's just from experience in working with communities in organizing to testify and to know what the issues are with each of the departments. But also, the most important thing is enforcement. Enforcement of what you determine what happened. Your time has elapsed. Thank you for your comments. May we please have the next caller? Good morning, Supervisors. Uh, this is Alex Chu. I am the president of the San Francisco Coalition for Economic Equity and a uh, San Francisco resident. Uh, the, uh, our organization is a coalition of minority business organizations uh, that are located in San Francisco. Uh, we feel that uh, it's important to have a disparity study. It's long overdue. Uh, Minority-owned businesses have been struggling in San Francisco even before the pandemic and ever since the pandemic, it just has gotten worse. So we uh, strongly support the, uh, the, uh, the uh, disparity study and um, ask for uh, your approval. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. May we please have the next caller? Hello, <clears throat> pardon me. My name is Bruce Gerard and I happen to be the president of the National Association of Minority Contractors Northern California chapter. I stand uh, shoulder to shoulder with many other organizations like ours who are fighting uh, for fairness in, in uh, this space. You can draw a straight line 
from the implementation of 209 to uh, the downward trend that we see that's pervasive in fairness in contracting here, uh, not only in San Francisco, but in the whole state of California. One of the things that um, the uh, majority culture does is, is uh, uh, look at 209 or the lack of a disparity study in the first line of defense of maintaining that unfair uh, infrastructure there. And so you're going to have to deal with it because it's going to come up that uh, you can't just indiscriminately, indiscriminately take some action without having the data to uh, support it. And so I support um, the implementation of this. Um, with all due urgency, uh, 209 has been more effective psychologically uh, than it ever was envisioned to be. And I would urge us to be extremely aggressive with the highest sense of urgency to reverse the downward trend that um, we see in lack of opportunities out there. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. We currently have six callers on the line with four on the queue. May we please have the next caller? Good, uh, good morning, supervisors. I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear the speaker. Okay, great. My name is Dr. Matthew Ajoke. I'm the president of the San Francisco African American Chamber of Commerce and the author of Humankind, Shared Planet Divided by Norms. Just like the last speaker said, 209 decimated the African-American businesses, not just in San Francisco, but in the state. Your disparity studies will confirm that those businesses do not exist. Therefore, there is no availability. That becomes like a secular shooting ring. What we need these provisors to think about is how do you have programs that would ensure that businesses do exist from these communities even before your um, that disparity studies confirm that they don't exist. It's kind of sad that, you know, we're going to do a disparity study that's going to confirm the damage that uh, 209 did by proving that the availability is not there. Therefore, you can't make any really distinct policy um, positions based on increasing the number, not using the existing number, which is a decimated number, to establish policy. That is the, the, the travesty of this kind of uh, policy with the knowledge that there was an existing law that decimated the result that you're gonna get. But without any way of infusing future growth into that result, that's what disparity studies will do for you. It will give you the data. But in your qualitative analysis, you're gonna get data from people based on their experience but the interpretation is also based on whoever you hire to make the recommendation. That's also another, another silly point that you need to I consider. I apologize for the interruption. Thank you so much for your comments. Your time has elapsed. May we please have the next caller. Good morning, supervisors. Uh, my name is Lamar Heistek, president of Asian Inc. We're an economic equity organization. We stand shoulder to shoulder with the organizations represented here. We subscribe to the comments made by Dr. Ajake, Mr. Vantis, Mr. Chu, and others, including Mr. Chan, Ms. Wellington, Mr. Jerron. It's very important to note that, well, I will first say thank you to Supervisor Malgar for her primary 
sponsorship of this legislation, as well as to uh, the District 6 Supervisor, uh, Supervisor Dorothy, Asian Inc. is located in District 6, and we appreciate your uh, leadership on this issue, Supervisor. Um, we appreciate the Deputy City Administrator's comments about equity and contracting. We appreciate as well the comment about soliciting uh, the study sooner rather than later. Under the leadership of the outgoing CMD director, there is a great deal of data that's been captured. Disparity studies typically measure availability and utilization. The Contract Monitoring Division has the LBE Utilization Tracking System that provides as well quarterly reports to the Board of Supervisors. So there's a great deal of data on um, utilization. Availability, Dr. Ajayake says, as the dwindling availability um, uh, decimates the city's ability to respond to uh, the needs of local business enterprises, we have to do something different. This disparity study has been long overdue. CMD and the city administrator's office had looked at a disparity study when Proposition 16, which would have reinstituted affirmative action, um, was on the ballot. Unfortunately, Proposition 16 failed. We are still reeling from 209. We have to do something differently. LBEs, local business enterprises, are a workforce development solution. LBEs hire locally, and it's important to note that when you support local businesses, you support local employment. Asian Inc. subscribes to the work that's been done, and especially thanks, Ms. Cervantes, for her advocacy. We stand in solidarity with the Latino, Black, Asian, and other minority business communities. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. And there are no other callers in the queue. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, public comment on this item is now closed. And uh, Supervisor Melgar, any? Final thoughts? Okay. Uh, well, let's uh, go ahead and uh, like to make a motion to uh, recommend this to the full board uh, with recommendation. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. On the motion to recommend the item to the full board, Vice Chair Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Member Mandelman? Mandelman, aye. Chair Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. There are three ayes. Thank you, Madam Clerk. The motion passes, and thank you again, Supervisor Melgar, uh, and thanks to all the uh, public commenters and presenters. Uh, Madam Clerk, uh, please call items uh, 2 through 12 together uh, for closed session. Thank you. Today's litigation agenda is comprised of items 2 through 12, which include various ordinances and resolutions regarding settlements for lawsuits and unlitigated claims. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on items 2 through 12 should call 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID 2491-372-0218, then press pound and pound again. If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to line up to speak. The system will prompt that you have indicated that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Are there any members of the public who would like to make public comment on items 2 through 12? Seeing no in-person public comment... There are currently zero callers on the line. Thank you, Madam Clerk. A public comment on the closed session items is now closed. Um, and on the motion to convene in closed session, please call the roll. Vice Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Member Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. There are three ayes on the motion. Thank you. The motion passes, and we will now convene in closed session.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
in closed session, the board voted to forward items two through 12 with a positive recommendation to the full board with a unanimous vote. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And uh, I would like to move to not disclose the closed session discussions and please call the roll on that motion. On the motion to not disclose, Vice Chair Chan. Chan, aye. Member Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. There are three ayes. Thank you. That motion passes. Uh, any further business before the committee? There's no additional business. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, we are adjourned. Thank you. <laughs>